After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got a goal! Okay, fellas, we are set to go. Let's go! We are kicking. Watch the blue! Yeah, yeah. There we go. Yeah, baby. Number 47 for Boston. Both guys, five minutes each for fighting! Please move it! Please move it! Please move it! Please move it! This will be the final episode of the Scouting the Refs podcast for the calendar year 2021. I'm not big on New Year's resolutions, Josh. Are you? Do you make resolutions? Do you follow them? Or is that something that you don't participate in? No, not not a big thing. You know, I, I try to say if I'm going to wait until January 1st to do it, I may as well just do it now. So no sense in waiting. And, and typically, I, I feel like the ones that you do on January 1st, they don't stick. So uh, if you want to resolve to do anything, just, just resolve when it crosses your mind. But waiting for January 1st to make something happen it just doesn't work for me, Todd. It seems to add extra pressure to everyone. And I think that's about the last thing that we need oh, at this point in our yeah. lives. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. There's there's enough going on. There's, there's enough to worry about other than giving yourself some other artificial resolution that you know you're going to have such a hard time keeping anyway. That's right. But we do have plenty to talk about on the ice in this edition of the Scouting the Rest podcast. As always, it is brought to you by Manscaped. There are special savings available for you with our Manscaped partnership. Go to the website, manscaped.com. Use our special code REFS, R-E-F-S. You will receive 20% off your order and you get free shipping. As mentioned, it's the final edition of the podcast for 2021. We wish all of our listeners a very happy and prosperous new year ahead. Hopefully, you've been having a wonderful time with family and friends and enjoying some of the holidays. As we leave behind the old year for the new one of 2022, you want to feel good, you want to look good, which means you should be using the number one grooming tools from Manscaped, the Lawnmower 4.0. It is the latest edition for Manscaped. It's even waterproof. It'll mow down every hair in its path to the desired length for maximum comfort. You know, as you head into the new year, a new grooming routine is a nice way to start 2022. Get yourself the lawnmower, the other great grooming products from Manscaped, the Weed Whacker, the great line of other products. The Hygiene Bundle also comes with the best fitting pair of boxers you'll ever slip into. Each of the Manscaped products have a specific purpose to give you that good feeling and get you looking your best, Josh, and you want to carry that comfort right through the day. Absolutely. And it's a great place to start. You know, start your day that way. Start your year that way. You hit it before about New Year's resolutions. You don't need to make a resolution to make an improvement when you can do it with what you can get from Manscaped and just start off the new year the right way. Go to manscaped.com. Use our code REFS for your purchase. Get 20% off. Get free delivery. Do it now. Please make sure you're following Josh and I on our social channels. For Josh, it's at Scouting the Refs on Twitter and Instagram. For me, it's at Todd Lewis Sports on both Twitter and Instagram. On this week's episode, Refs in Recovery. You'll have to get that stick yourself. Stick contact means interference, and I want to see the players ref the game. Intrigued yet? I am, and I want to see that as well, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we have completed the extended NHL holiday break. There's there's still a lot of games that are being rescheduled that will need to be rescheduled, but we are forging ahead as best we can. And I guess this that's good. We get the daily updates on players entering and exiting the COVID health protocol, and we wish the best for everyone. Josh, we really haven't heard nearly as much, though, 
on the officials and how they've been impacted by the virus. And it has been significant. We've had a number of referees and linesmen who have missed time on the ice because of entering COVID protocol. Absolutely. And it's been something that the NHL has had to address on the fly. We've seen three man crews, one referee, two linesmen. We've seen two referees, one linesman. We've seen them try to remain flexible just to make sure that we've got officials for the games. And right now the league is confident that they don't expect to have any staffing issues with the officials as a result of COVID. But yeah, it's been crazy with all the changes that have gone on with the even last minute substitutions of one guy subbing in for somebody else. And I know some officials unfortunately had to spend holidays across the border waiting uh, simply because they were in COVID protocol and unable to travel at the time. So it's it's been a bit up in the air, but thankfully, as we return to the regular schedule, it looks like we're returning to a, a mostly full officiating complement as well. That is good news for all of the on-ice officials. Now, we've had injuries impact officials previously and assignments. And what often happens, as you've detailed, is American Hockey League referees can get called up, just like the players do, to fill in and substitute here and there. You don't think that we'll have to go forward, maybe going with three-man officiating crews for any significant length of time, do you? I don't think it's something that the league is planning on doing, but I think as a as a last minute contingency plan, they they always can fall back on that. Most of these officials, if not all, have worked a three man crew at some point in their careers. There are a few guys who've transitioned late, uh, some high level players that made the jump to officiating that may not have had quite as much experience. But the three man crew is always an option. But once you get below that, you, you really do have to look at what what else can we do, because we don't want to go out there with two guys in stripes. Uh, yeah, that would certainly make it a little more challenging. And we hope this doesn't happen because it would mean that we are in a real pickle in terms of COVID and officials being out of the lineup. But as you detailed in the piece on scoutingtherefs.com, if things were to line up, there are provisions in the rule book for players to be drafted into the officiating ranks and have a duty on the ice where they will be whistling for offenses against their team and their opponents. Now, this would present all kinds of outrageous and crazy, and I, for one, want to see it. <laughs> it, would, it would be great. I mean, first of all, let's get these guys doing it at the All-Star Game, because I want to see the officials play with the players officiate, just just so we can do it oh, as an yeah. exhibition, because let's, let's try it. You guys want to go? Go. But when it comes to actual game situations, you're right, Todd, Rule 31.11, rarely used but it has come into play once in NHL history, allows for, if through misadventure or sickness, and I love that line. Misadventure, yes. <laughs> the, the officials are prevented from appearing. They will attempt to find suitable replacement officials. Otherwise, the coaches of the clubs will agree on referees or linesmen, which may be a player from each side, player of the home club acting as referee, the player of the visiting club as linesman, potentially. Now, it hasn't happened specifically that way, but... There's nothing preventing them from stepping in as substitute linesmen and letting whichever officials were able to make the game to work as the referees. So there's the potential. And it has happened once way back in 1983 during a snowstorm. So it's not impossible, Todd. 1983 wasn't that long ago. And hey, you know, the way things have been going, it really wouldn't surprise me if something happened that we needed to draft players. Just can you imagine the fun we could have with that? Oh, it would be great. I mean, I would I would love to see it. I know the NHL is encouraging high level players that aren't and in the NHL to consider making the transition to officiating. But when 
when emergencies call and require it, let's pull guys from the NHL level. Now, I would love to see the high-level guys do it, but you know that's not where the coach is going to want his roster to be tapped. He's not going to want to give up a Connor McDavid or a Brad Marchand, both of whom I would love to see whistling penalties. You know it's going to be a fourth-liner. It's going to be a grinder. It's going to be somebody like that, which might be just as much fun. I, th- I think we could really be on to something here. And I, I I think it might get a little tricky if there were some, you know, shenanigans. I think that players out of reflex might actually grab on as opposed to trying to break up the opponent. <laughs> just just go in there and drop the gloves. Start, start <laughs> we'll throwing clean this up ourselves. <laughs> I'm going to give myself an instigator and head to the box. It's <laughs> it's it's almost WWE rules at that point with the guest referee jumping in. I, I, I really think that we could be on to something. As, and you mentioned the All-Star game. So maybe this is how a skills a skills competition of some sorts could be worked around this. I, th- I think we really are on to something here. You know, I have long lobbied for some sort of officiating competition in the All-Star game. I put them on for fastest skater. Put them on for, for some officiating related challenges. But why not get the players officiating as well? We've, we've seen some exhibitions and some of the fun things that go on during the weekend. And I, I for one, would love to see an all-officials tournament officiated by the players. In all seriousness, though, if this did happen, I bet it would cut down on the chirping about officiating a lot. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, you do it a little bit. Maybe you'll understand a little bit more. And I would love for the officials to have that opportunity to chirp at the players as they officiate the game. Just, just to really let them know what it's like. This is the Scouting the Refs podcast. It's brought to you by Manscaped. Special savings are available for you at manscaped.com by using our special code REFS. For your order, you receive 20% off and you receive free shipping. Now, in addition to the holiday break that is resumed with the NHL action, we did have some action resume briefly in the World Junior Championships as well. And regrettably, the balance of that tournament was canceled due to COVID outbreaks. This is such a shame for for everyone involved. I I really hope that it's possible to reschedule it. I know the IIHF is going to talk about it. This, This tournament is the equivalent of March Madness in Canada. It is gaining more popularity in the U.S., which is great to see. We we did have a couple of incidents that we were going to touch on as well. There was the goal that was allowed by the Russians, even though the net had dislodged, the puck had entered previously. But there were a couple of suspensions that were issued as well in the World Junior Championships. One to a Canadian player, Justin Surdiv, who was suspended one game for a high hit on a Chechen player. And there was another suspension as well that wasn't served. Yeah, that one was interesting. Uh, that one came to uh, Leo Luf of Team Sweden. I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. I didn't get to hear the game, so I didn't uh, <laughs> didn't hear if they're if they're pronouncing it differently. But uh, he did get suspended as well. So interesting spot there because certainly he's going to miss time, but he's going to miss time in a tournament that no longer exists. And that's what becomes a little bit tricky because this illegal check to the head and boarding tough play where he hit Slovak defender Simon Nemec up high and was close to the boards and it was a high hit. Very, very scary one. One that was potentially dangerous. One that resulted in a one game suspension to be served TBD. And I guess that's the thing. If they are able to reschedule this tournament, the player will have to serve the one game suspension before resuming. But what happens if the cancellation sticks and they cannot resume this tournament? I don't know, and the IIHF had no comment at this point, but based on what we've seen in some previous tournaments, uh, these types of suspensions from the IIHF do carry over. So this could apply to his next international game. Now, it certainly wouldn't apply 
in any North American hockey, any Swedish league hockey. If he's playing in the NHL next, certainly no suspension there. But his next international game would potentially be when he would have to serve that suspension. And that might be the resumption of the World Juniors. That might be at next year's World Juniors. He is 19, so he he could be participating. Or it could be possibly at a world championship or maybe even the Olympics. Oh, right. Yes, of course. The Olympics. I'd almost forgotten about them. Wow. Yep. Is that, are they still happening? Please. I, 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 I believe check. they are. Yes. But <laughs> but again, I mean, we're, we're we're kind of joking around and making fun. It's a it's a, a terrible situation that I think everyone is really disappointed that the the NHL players are not going to be able to participate in the Olympics because of the, the difficulties that we've been having with the NHL schedule. But it, it does make you wonder, how is the Olympic tournament going to proceed forward? Are they going to change the protocols? Are they going to be even stricter in terms of the athletes that do attend to, to try to get through these games? I, I'd imagine so. And from what I've read, China is very strict with how their protocols are. They're treating it more of a bubble situation for the Olympic athletes than the World Juniors was in Alberta, where we saw that two of the teams were staying in a hotel that was open to the public that had a wedding taking place. So certainly not as restricted as as some may have hoped there. From what I understand, China is a, a lot tighter, so we we would expect it to be a bit more restrictive when it comes to the public. However, you are still bringing together thousands of athletes from all around the world who will be interacting with each other. So the risk inherent there just in the size of the contingent that will be living in that athlete's village, it's going to be a tough challenge. And I, I hope that they can tighten things down and make sure that they can keep that tournament going because as frustrating as it is and as, as sad as it is to not see best on best from the NHL there. It's still a a wonderful tournament, a great event anytime. And I'm hoping that we still have Olympic hockey this year. Here, here. That's, that's something that we would all like to see. A couple of other games that did get resumed this past week as the NHL starts to get back moving again, had the Montreal Canadiens head to Tampa, actually head to Florida for their annual after Christmas swing. And there were a couple of different situations in the Canadiens and the lightning game. We have seen a game set of circumstances go uncalled a few times, but in this case, with Tampa and Montreal, it was called correctly as Tampa's Boris Tachuk was whistled for shooting the stick of teammate Cal Foote. It was just like he was trying to help his teammate out, send it back to him, but it could have been much more than that. It could have. He picked up a minor penalty, and, and certainly when you're pushing the stick across the ice, doesn't seem like a dangerous situation, but it's something that's covered by Rule 10.3 and 53.2. It's a minor penalty for throwing the stick, and that's that's what they call it, even though it's being pushed along the ice or anything in the direction of an opponent. So you could have it's an interference or throwing the stick penalty, but it could have, as you mentioned, Todd, been much, much worse. It could have possibly resulted in a penalty shot because rule 53.7 says when you throw or shoot any part of a stick or object at the puck carrier in his defending zone, the play shall be completed. If a goal is not scored, a penalty shot shall be awarded to the non-offending team. So... It was really close when it came to who had possession of the puck. Where was the puck at the time that stick was passed back? So what what was a helpful play by Kachuk ended up in a penalty and it could have been much worse. Uh, yes, that certainly would have gotten everyone's attention if a penalty shot had been awarded there. I mean, we don't even see that play penalized uh, all the time when it happens. It's just, oh, I'm just helping a little bit. Just I'm just giving this a little tap and it's a courtesy, really. It's not really... But it is illegal. And it, and it comes down to the judgment of the officials many times, too. Are they attempting to get the stick out of the way and, and clear it out, which in some cases is legal? Or 
are you clearing it out of the way and the player who lost his stick was attempting to retrieve it and you've just made it more difficult for him to get his stick back? Well, now we're looking at an interference penalty. So you really have to be aware of what's going on in the full context of it in determining, hey, am I making the call here? And, and in this case, it impacted the play and it was whistled for a penalty. Now, the officials were also involved in a judgment in a clearing out, this of the goaltender by Habs forward Brendan Gallagher, who was doing his usual job of disrupting the area in front of the opposing goal, but maybe went a little too far as the Canadians were attacking, Gallagher's going to the front of the net, the puck deflected in off the goalie, then hit Gallagher before going into the net. During this play... Brendan Gallagher also appeared to be guided by that same Boris Kachuk into the crease and had some contact with Lightning goaltender Maxime Legacy. The goal was waved off by referee Dean Morton, the Canadians challenge, the ruling on the ice. So let's go through the different layers of this rule and find out why the Montreal Canadiens ended up with a penalty and no goal on the place. First of all, do we deal with the goalie interference or the puck going in the net? First, it's the puck going in because that's on the NHL to make that determination. So that's an automatic review. The NHL does review situations around the net where a puck may be tipped in by a high stick, batted in with a glove or kicked in. So that's a league review that happens right away. And that's the first thing that they're looking at is did the puck enter the net legally? So they review that. They see that it did deflect off of Gallagher. It's a legal play. He didn't push it in. He didn't propel it in. It wasn't a headbutt into the net, as we've seen with Andrew Shaw in the past. So. Legal goal, that's the part where the NHL review ends. So they say that the puck crossed the line legally. However, it was waved off on the ice by Dean Morton. Play's over. That's it. It's no goal on the play until the Canadians decide to challenge. And the question is whether or not Gallagher interferes with the goaltender. And yes, it seems like there was a coming together between Gallagher and the Tampa defenseman. He didn't physically with his body contact, the goaltender. However, it does appear that the goaltender's ability to play the puck was impacted, and I think that's the key, if I remember correctly. It is, and you, you need to let the goaltender play his position within the goal crease especially. And when you look at incidental contact outside the crease, it's handled differently than incidental contact in the crease. And I think there are two components of the contact that were at issue here. We had Kachuk guiding Gallagher, and it was across the top of the crease, he definitely had body position on him. He was definitely pushing him. And there may have been some contact with the goaltender's blocker. It didn't appear sufficient to have the goal waved off based on that contact. And that was contact that was initiated by the defender. So that would have not been deemed goaltender interference. What the league appears to have made their decision on is Gallagher's stick. So while Kachuk had body position and was pushing on Gallagher... It was the stick of Gallagher that actually pushed the pad of the goaltender. And it was part of the follow-through. He was going for the puck there. But that was independent from Kachuk's body position. That was separate. So when they look at what the defending player had caused, that body contact was one thing. And Gallagher actually pushing his stick forward is what caused the goaltender's pad to move, resulting in the puck going over the line. So there's two components here. There's no question Kachuk was responsible for where Gallagher was headed. But what Gallagher did with his stick was independent. And that's why we saw the goal waved off. So can, and I'm not sure if this comes into play or not, was Brendan Gallagher doing enough to avoid contact? Is that also part of what's under consideration? Yeah, it's it's absolutely part of it. I, I don't know that he uh, necessarily changed his course or needed to, but when you when you look at the replay and you see where he's pushing with his stick, 
And it, it, again, it could have been because he was trying to still make that play on the puck, but he does need to try to avoid and he does need to make sure that, you know, any action he's taking is is focused on not making contact with the goaltender. So that's a great way to look at it, Todd, that when you're pushing your stick into the goaltender, it's hard to say that you're avoiding additional contact. Okay, so despite what many in the Montreal media and many Montreal Canadiens fans, I think you and I agree that they got this call right. They did, and it's not because it was Brendan Gallagher. It's because of the, <laughs> the facts of the situation. The officials don't have it out for Gallagher. It's it's not something where there's this grand conspiracy. It's It's simply the details of the play. And for a guy who crashes the net, who makes his money at the net, of course, there are going to be plenty of situations where he's crossing the line or he's getting goals waved off, but that's the price you pay when you play that style of game. It's not that the officials have anything against him. It's that he often finds himself in situations where these types of decisions need to be rendered. And unfortunately, this one did go against him. Just when I think I'm out, they pull me back <laughs> in. The Scouting the Rest podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with code REFS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code REFS. That's R-E-F-S. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped.